All right, we are back. Let's talk about Al Gore briefly. Time Magazine noted last week that with a fortune of $300 million, the former vice president turned environmental activist and investor, Mr. Al Gore, is now worth more than Mitt Romney. Gore recently exercised $30 million worth of Apple stock options and personally netted $100 million from the sale of current TV to Al Jazeera. Earlier this week, I was texting former KDVS general manager Stephen Valentino, and he reported in via instant messaging that uh, Al Gore was in the house and that uh, Leonard Lopate was at that moment engaged in interviewing the former vice president, who is out pushing a new book he has on environmental matters. Or was talking, among other things, about how uh, how people need to sort of act in concert to achieve desirable political goals. And he cited a very curious example, that of tobacco company lawyer Lewis Powell, who back in August of 1971 released a confidential memo to friends at the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, which was a call to arms for a class war waged from the top down. That description of, uh, of that memo comes from Bill Moyers' piece in The Nation from a couple years back describing how Wall Street occupied America. This is one of the first uh, uh, comprehensive pieces written in the media about uh, the then-new Occupy movement, and it's something we'll probably have to talk with Pamela Taylor about when we get Pamela back on the show in the future as she spearheads the Occupy movement down there in Cairns, Australia. But it was just amazing having an articulate uh, politician describing in some detail uh, the same thing that, uh, that Moyers had been talking about. I'm going to quote from Moyers here in a minute. But, but what really uh, sort of caught my ear and, and that of uh, our former GM during the talk was that at one point Gore was referring back to the Paris Commune. I think he's making reference to how uh, Lenin had been buried with a flag from the Paris Commune or something, but it showed he knew a lot about history. In fact, Steve sent me the instant message saying, the Paris Commune, exclamation point. I instant messaged back saying, the fact that he had his election stolen from him is one of the great tragedies of modern American political life. I sent him a message saying, can you imagine what W would say if you brought up the Paris Commune? Probably say, wasn't that that place we got them crepe Suzettes we were visiting the Eiffel Tower that time? Anyway, let's let's return to this bit about Lewis Powell, which uh, which Al Gore referenced and Bill Moyers wrote about from the piece from the piece in the Nation. As Moyers said, looking referring to this memo as a call to arms for class war waged from the top down. Moyers asked the listener to recall the context of Powell's memo. Big business was being forced to clean up its act. Even Republicans had signed on. In 1970, President Nixon put his signature on the National Environmental Policy Act and named a White House counsel to promote environmental quality. A few months later, millions of Americans turned out for Earth Day. Nixon then agreed to create the Environmental Protection Agency. Congress acted swiftly to pass tough amendments to the Clean Air Act, and the EPA announced the first air pollution standards. There were new regulations directed at lead paint and pesticides. Corporations were no longer getting away with murder. Powell was shocked by what he called an attack on the American free enterprise system. Not just from a few extremists on the left, but also from perfectly respectable elements of society, including the media, politicians, and intellectuals. 
Fight back, he said, and fight back hard. Build a movement. Set speakers loose across the country. Take on prominent institutions of public opinion, especially the universities, the media, and the courts. Keep television programs, quote, monitored the same way textbooks should be kept under constant surveillance, unquote. And above all, recognize that political power must be assiduously cultivated and that when necessary, it must be used aggressively and with the determination and without embarrassment. Powell imagined the Chamber of Commerce as a council of war. Since business executives had little stomach for hard-nosed contests with their critics and little skill in effective intellectual and philosophical debate, they should create think tanks, legal foundations, and front groups of every stripe. Noted Moyers, the public wouldn't learn of the memo until after Nixon appointed Powell to the U.S. Supreme Court that same year. By then, his document had circulated widely in corporate suites. Within two years, the board of the Chamber of Commerce had formed a task force of 40 business executives from U.S. Steel, GE, GM, Phillips Petroleum, 3M, Amway, and ABC and CBS, two media companies we would note. Their assignment was to coordinate the crusade, put Powell's recommendations into effect, and push the corporate agenda. Powell had set in motion a revolt of the rich. As historian Kim Phillips Fine subsequently wrote, many who read the memo cited it afterward as inspiration for their political choices. Yeah, those were the days when you appointed tobacco company lawyers to the U.S. Supreme Court. (laughs) Of course, uh, if Mitt Romney had been elected last November... I shudder to think who he would have put on had the opportunity presented itself. Of course, you wonder sometimes how much uh, difference individuals can make. A little blurb in in the B noted last week that Energy Secretary Stephen Chu said he's leaving the Obama administration, ending a tenure marked by active development of alternative energy that won plaudits from environmentalists and drew attacks from conservatives especially after the bankruptcy of the federally funded solar panel makers Solyndra. Chu said he would stay until at least late this month. You know, of all the cabinet appointees, Stephen Chu really got a lot of good ink uh, as someone that would go out there and do some good things. I haven't followed it closely. I, I hope he did. Especially with some of the disturbing environmental news we unfortunately have to keep reporting on for this program such as the news that uh, waste heat from cities is affecting our atmosphere more than we thought. recent study published in Nature Climate Change shows how waste heat generated generated from buildings, cars, and other sources in major North American cities cause winter warming across large areas of the continent and also northern Asia. The researchers said that about 40% of the world's total energy consumption comes from just 86 metropolitan areas in the northern hemisphere. Human-generated energy amounts to just 0.3% of the heat transported across higher latitudes, but the researchers say its impact comes from being highly concentrated. They note, quote, the release of this concentrated waste energy causes the noticeable interruption to the normal atmospheric circulation systems above, leading to remote surface temperature changes far away from the regions where waste heat is generated. Anyway, to change the subject rather dramatically, I would uh, note that uh, while I was again watching Bill Maher, the other night he opened up with film documentarian Alex Gibney. Mr. Gibney appeared on this program, gosh, back in 05 in conjunction with his movie Enron, The Smartest Guys in the Room. He has a new documentary out now, which uh, he was talking about with Mr. Maher. 
The topic of this documentary is Father Lawrence Murphy, who beginning in the 1950s in Milwaukee molested as many as 200 boys who attended a school for the deaf that he eventually ran. In this current documentary, Gibney uses the shocking details of various victims' testimony to demonstrate how the cover-up of Murphy's crimes reached all the way to the Vatican, tainting even the future Pope, Benedict XVI. We've not seen this documentary yet, but hopefully we'll take it in, and, and who knows, perhaps bring Mr. Gibney back on this program to talk about it. We'd also draw your attention to the piece from the Los Angeles Times, reprinted the Sacramento Bee by Victoria Kim, Ashley Powers, and Harriet Ryan about the current uh, scandal involving, involving the Archdiocese of Los Angeles. To quote from it, the Archdiocese learned in the late 1970s that one of its priests had sexually assaulted a 16-year-old boy so violently he was left bleeding and in a state of shock. The priest said he was too drunk to remember what happened, and officials took no further action. Two decades later, word reached Cardinal Roger Mahoney that the same priest was molesting again and improperly performing the sacrament of confession on his victims. The Archdiocese sprang into action it dispatched investigators, interviewed a raft of witnesses, and discussed the harshest of all church penalties. Not for the abuse, but for the violation of church law. Quote, Given the seriousness of this abuse, of the sacrament of penance, it is your responsibility to formally declare the existence of the excommunication and then render the matter to Rome, one cleric told Mahoney in a memo. The case of Reverend Jose Ugarte is one of several instances detailed in newly released records in which archdiocese officials displayed outrage over a priest's ecclesiastical missteps while doing little for the victims of his sexual abuse. According to Gibney uh, talking to Bill Maher, there are a lot of documents uh, that are um, yet to be released that have a lot to say about these various cases of abuse. And uh, I think it's high time we got to the bottom of some of these scandals. This piece also notes that the files also suggest that the attempts to protect abusers from law enforcement extended beyond the L.A. Archdiocese to a Catholic order tasked with rehabilitating abusers. Quoting from one of their documents, Once more, we ask you to please destroy these pages and any other material you have received from us, unquote. That was from the acting director of the Order's treatment program. He wrote that to Mahoney in 1988 in a letter detailing therapist reports about a prolific molester, adding, quote, this is stated for your own and our legal protection, unquote. We will refer you to that piece in the LA Times for more details. It's quite an extensive uh, article and I think should be read by you, dear listener. Anyway, we've got to take a short break. I do want to put another plug in for you to please consider getting a flu shot if you've not yet done so. We're having some uh, spring-like weather currently, and people are having a hard time thinking of the cold and flu season is going on. But rain's on the way, cold weather's on the way, and more flu's on the way. So please do what you can to protect yourself. I'm Douglas Everett. This is Radio Parallax. we got plenty more in our third segment. Stick around.